Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. It is a sin to say to someone, I will pray for you. I'm going to say it again. It's a sin to look at someone and say, I'll pray for you. Now, if you're tracking with me so far, your first thoughts are, "Uh uh-oh, I'm in trouble, right? That's a normal saying that we say to people, I'll pray for you. But I tell our staff, and one of the things that we have on staff is, it's a sin to look at someone and say, I'll pray for you. Let me tell you why. A few years ago, I'm in HEB, and the busiest part of HEB is right there in front in the produce section, right? That's where we get the log jam right away. So I'm in the the produce section right by the pineapples. I see some River Valley uh, person, and I say, how are you doing? And they immediately start crying. And I think, well, I don't think everything's okay. I mean, even a man can get that hint, right? I mean, you you know, I'm not the most discerning person in the world, but they had just gotten a cancer diagnosis. It's a sin in that moment for me to look at that person and say, as your pastor, when I'm all alone, trust me, I'll pray for you. That's not what they need. That's not what they need. They need to hear me praying for them. Not say I'll do it, but they need to hear the words. They need to feel the power. And so I talk to them right in the middle of, uh, and right in the middle of H-E-B, I pray for healing from cancer. And it does two things. It lifts their spirits and it makes everyone else uncomfortable. I love it. I love it. I was just, I was just here for some guava, you, you know, that kind of thing. And so I love it. It's a sin to pray, to say, I'll pray for you. Pray for people. One of the reasons that I chose uh, Ephesians is leading into our our next uh, building initiative is so that we would be spiritually ready. Because in this book, over and over again, he says, we pray, we pray. And we've had some wonderful prayer times uh, here at River Valley as we're we're, uh, leaning towards what God is going to do in our building initiative. And we're going to pray again today. Well, let me clarify. You're not going to pray. I'm going to pray for you. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, he's going to say, Paul is going to say to his church at Ephesus, I pray for you, I pray for you, I pray for you. And today we're going to use that as a springboard, and I'm going to pray at the end of this service for you. Now, this is my number one job at River Valley. When people ask me, what do you do? Like, like I know you're up here every day, but seriously, what, you, you know, what do you do? I always answer my number one job is prayer. I pray for you, and, and I, I take it very seriously. I, uh, I'm actually, like, leaning into it a lot more the last few years. I, I'm getting better at it. Like, I, I'm spending better time with the Lord. I'm hearing from the Lord more clearly. Um, I'm spending longer times with the Lord. I'm seeing God answer prayer. It's been, it's been really, really cool uh, to see that. But, but I want you to know that I, I take that seriously, and I pray for you. So if you have prayer requests, come up to me and tell me, uh, pray, uh, you know, pray for me, and, and, and I'll pray for you. Uh, be happy, happy, happy uh, to do that. And also, write those down, and I'll, I'll repeat those prayers in my prayer time. On a Sunday morning with lots of people, sometimes it's, it's hard to get all of those straight. So I'll be happy. I love you guys, and I pray for you. 
So Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, he begins this prayer and he says, for this reason. Now this is the second time in chapter 3 that he said this statement, for this reason. Chapter 3 verse 1, he says, for this reason. And that is reminding his church at Ephesus that God came to die for the entire world, for Jews Gentiles. And so for us in our context, we believe that God died for every man, woman, boy, and girl. And so we want to be a church that brings the gospel to everyone that we come in contact with uh, in Bastrop County. So we want to be an intentionally multi-ethnic church in reaching all of the people that God has placed around us. Now this second for this reason, Paul is saying, because I'm the leader, my job is to lead us to do that. So the same way for me, my job uh, as the leader of River Valley, as the pastor of River Valley, is to lead us to be intentionally multi-ethnic in reaching, helping, and connecting people to Jesus. But that's overwhelming. It is for Paul, and it is for me. Like, when I, when I think about the job that I have, I think about, like, if you guys knew me you would not want me to be your pastor. Like, I'm so unqualified. It's so overwhelming so many days. So Paul says, we have to pray to God to do supernaturally what I could never actually accomplish in my own power. So therefore, I'm going to pray. So Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, for this reason, I kneel before the Father for whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that God may grant you, and according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner spirit, through his, or in your inner being through his spirit, and that you may dwell, Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And then I pray that you would be firmly rooted and established and love, and that you may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the length and width and height of God's love, and to know Christ's love that surpasses all knowledge. Why? So that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So I'm going to explain that to make sure that you understand what this prayer is about, and then I'm going to pray for you. So request number one, he says in this text, I want to pray for my people. I want to pray for our church that you would be strengthened with power. Now be careful with this. this we, we can get this wrong. He doesn't pray God make them strong. He doesn't pray God make them strong because when you're already strong, you've just got strength. You've just got it. It's just there. Now this is a continual prayer and this is a continual uh, um, leaning on Jesus so that we are strengthened by him today and tomorrow. And okay, this thing happened. Now we need more strength. Okay. Now this problem occurred. We need more strength. Ooh, this opportunity came up. I need more knowledge. Okay. Listen, we need more strength. It's this continual idea of strengthening. God strengthen our people so that we may experience the power of God. So that's the first way we make a mistake. I think the second way that I make a mistake a lot of times is God, just don't give us problems. Or if, we're pro if we have a problem, just take us out of it. Just get us out of it. And it's okay to pray. Jesus prayed that way in the garden. If there's any way for this cup to pass from me, let it be. So it's okay to pray for uh, problems to cease or miracles to happen or healings to occur. Absolutely. But also we need to be praying, but God, give me power if you choose for me to go through this. So it's not, God, don't give me problems. It's not, God, don't take me around problems. It's not even, God, take me through problems. It's God, when problems occur, give me strength so I can crush these problems. 
It is not a prayer for an external change to our situation. It is a prayer for an internal power in our life. And we need to pray, God, give me this power in this moment so that you can be known. And his power is overwhelming. There's no one who can stand against our God. There's no one who can come against him. There is no force on earth or heaven in which is equal to our God. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. So I asked the Lord uh, this week, I asked him how he wanted me to illustrate this, and, uh, and the Lord specifically told me to use Rodney and Nancy Baker. And so Rodney and Nancy were in the first service, uh, and so they are friends of mine. They're in my community group. Uh, now, I want you to know, because you're a little bit scared right now, you're like, is he going to use me as an illustration uh, someday? And the answer is, not without your permission. I learned a long time ago in marriage, always ask for permission. That's just a good rule. So, so I went and I asked them, and I sat down with them uh, for their story, because it illustrates this so well. 2017, Nancy is in her early 50s, begins to cough, uh, have, a, have a cough that just wouldn't go away, starts going to the doctor, maybe it's asthma, maybe it's allergies, maybe, you know, all of these type of bronchitis, all of these things going through uh, these different scenarios, it continues and, and, it, and it worsens. She, she works for a veterinary clinic. They got a new x-ray machine, and so they wanted to try it out. So she's like, oh, here, well, just x-ray me. And they x-ray her, and there's a black spot on her lungs. And she takes it to the veterinarian, and she says, is this right? And he's like, no, you have to go to the doctor tomorrow. They, more tests, more x-rays. At 51 years of age, Nancy is diagnosed with lung cancer. She's not a smoker with lung cancer. And she asked them, what is the prognosis? And they say, if you do everything per perfectly, in other words, you do what we say you need to do, you don't do what we say you don't need to do, then you have a 27% chance of living. To make it worse, Nancy watched her first husband pass away from lung cancer. She was scared to death, she said. And Rodney saw, she began chemotherapy and then radiation. Rodney saw like how hurt, like physically it hurt her. Nancy said, the only way I can describe it is it felt like a giant had me in his hand and he was squeezing me so hard that my bones were cracking on the inside. Rodney said, I couldn't even like pat her back. I couldn't touch her at all. I would watch her curl up in bed during these treatments. It was hurting her so bad. And so Rodney one day on the way to treatment says, man, Nancy, I am praying for your comfort. But the day before in the sermon, I had prayed about you need to pray for yourself and you need to pray big, bold prayers. And Nancy said, I, I teased the first service because they were in there and I asked their permission. So I said, Nancy is how should I describe this um, loud? She is a loud, she is boisterous. And so she said, no, we are not praying for my comfort. She said, we are praying for my cure. We are praying that God would supernaturally cure me through all of this that we're going through because I am asking God that I may see my son graduate from high school. I may see my daughter graduate from college. I want to see my daughter get married. I want to see grandchildren in the future. And I am asking God to supernaturally cure me, not to make me comfortable as I die a death. So they begin to pray that way. Now, it's ups and downs. This is months and months and months of treatment and, and all of that. And 
You, you can imagine that, that kind of anguish. But, but they begin to pray, God, and I, I, I can't tell you how many times I heard Nancy go, God's got this, God's got this, God's got this. And she began to trust in God. And she said, I begin to see God's power working in me. And she said, when I first started, she was like, God, I'm 50 years old and I have lung cancer and I don't smoke. That's not fair. And look at all, like she said, I was surrounded by people in their late 60s, 70s and 80s who had cancer. Why are you giving it to me so young? And she started feeling that way. She said, until one day she sat next to a a young 20 year old, 20 something year old mom who was pregnant, who had chemotherapy. And she said, all of a sudden it changed my outlook. And I spent my time praying for her and praying for her baby and praying for her family. And she began to pray. And Rodney, I saw God begin to work in his life. Rodney now leads our group, doing a fantastic job. I wish you could see the growth that they have had in their life uh, spiritually as they went through this trial. And they said, if you can make it at the end of treatment, they said, if you can make it 17 months, kind of a really odd number, 17 months, that the chances are very good that you will, you will do this. And so for 17 months, these, these monthly checkups they're going to, and they're, they're praying over this. This is after chemotherapy therapy and daily radiation. I mean, just, just a very uh, hard, hard uh, endeavor. And make it to 17 months. And, and last, um, there, this summer, uh, Nancy celebrated five years uh, cancer-free. She is completely, completely and totally healed. Now, I told you a few weeks ago how God, or was it last week, how God healed my son supernaturally. He healed Nancy just as well, but he healed her through medicine. And he took her through this place of pain and suffering in order to show her the power of God. When we pray, when I pray for you in the strength of God, absolutely, I want God to do a miracle and take you out of it. But if he chooses not to, that God would show his strength in your life. God would show he is able to do more than you ask or imagine. He is bigger, and sometimes it is the problem where he receives the most glory because as he overcomes that in his strength in you, in the spirit that he has in you, this is for believers today that you will see God's strength overcome you. That's my first prayer. Second prayer, request number two, that Christ may dwell in your hearts. That Christ may dwell in your hearts. Now, this is a reality. But the Bible says that Christ may dwell in your hearts in faith. It is our job to believe that Christ dwells in our hearts. What does the, the dwelling power of God mean in our life? Sometimes we will not feel it. Sometimes we will not understand it. Sometimes he will be very close and speaking to us. Sometimes he will seem distant. But always that Christ, that you will see the power of Christ dwelling in our hearts and in faith. How do we receive faith? The Bible says that we receive faith. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So instead of uh, giving you a bunch of illustrations or trying to convince you of this, I just want to inundate you with scripture of the fact that God is with us, that God is in you, that God is thinking about you. So Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, Jesus promises, he says, he taught them to observe everything I've commanded you. And then he said, and remember, 
I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus promises that he will be with you if you are a believer in Christ till the end of time. He will absolutely be with you. Even in the end of the age, when things get bad and persecution happens, he says, I promise I will be with you. Well, sometimes we think like humans do, well, well, you know, like he's saying that unless I mess up or if I do it right or if I'm perfect in every way. So let's look at it from the opposite side. Deuteronomy 33 or 31 verse 8 says, Lord, the Lord is the one and he will go before you. He will be with you. He will never leave you. He will never abandon you. So don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. God promises in Matthew, he says, I will be with you here. He says, I promise I won't leave you. It's the both sides of it that no matter what you do, no matter how you act, I will never abandon you. So don't be fearful in times of stress. Don't be discouraged in times where it feels like your prayers aren't getting answered. He says, I will never abandon you. Well, okay, well, that's one thing with the presence of God, but how do we know that? Jeremiah 33. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, uh, call to me and I will answer you and I'll tell you great and incomprehensible things that you don't know. Not only has God promised that he will be here, but you can speak to God and he hears and he reciprocates and he wants to have this ongoing dialogue with you where he hears you when you speak and he answers you and he gives you wisdom and clarity. He gives you encouragement or admonishment. God speaks. And so this is a relational thing that he's with us, not just he's physically with us. And then how do you know like all of the details of your life? Well, Isaiah 30 chapter, uh, chapter 30 verse 21, and wherever you turn to the left or the right, your ears will hear, uh, your ears will hear this command behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. I will instruct you. I'll show you where to go. I'll show you what to do. I'll show you how to act. I'll show you what to, I'll tell you what to say. You will hear my voice. The first half of Psalm 39, I want to read for you as well. Listen to how God is present in the lives of believers. This is David talking to the Lord. He says, Lord, you've searched me and you know me. You know, when I sit down, you know, when I stand up, you understand my thoughts. And even though you're far away, you observe my travels and my rest. You're aware of all my ways before a word is on my tongue. You know all about it, Lord. You've encircled me. You've placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It's lofty. I am unable to reach it. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you're right there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I live at the eastern horizon or I settle at the western limits, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you, O Lord. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. For it was you, God, who knit me together in my inmost parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been made wonderfully and marvelously made. Your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret. And when I was formed in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw me even when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and plan before a single one of them began. If these words are true and you are a believer, 
then God, the author of heaven and earth, the one who sits on the throne, is here with you right now. This is real. He is here. He knows you. He will not abandon you. He will not leave you. He hears when you pray to him. He responds in your spirit. He protects you where you are vulnerable. He gives you wisdom where you need to know what to do. He clarifies his plans and next steps. Our God is present. God, show us. Let us see and sense the presence of you. Request number three, that you would know God's love. Paul prays for his church, and I'm going to pray for you that you would know the love of God the Father. And then he says, and the love of Christ the Son. In just a moment, in the last text, he says, the Spirit enables us. So we have all three members of the Trinity that you would know God's love. God the Father who thinks of you and sent his Son. God the Son who died for you. God the Spirit who indwells you and empowers you. That you would know their love. And then he says this really strange statement. He says about Christ, he says, that you would know what you cannot know. Well, that doesn't make any sense, God. And we know what he's saying. Look, this is not just uh, knowledge for your head. This is experiential in nature that you would know God, like you would experience him, that you would see his love. The problem with us in experiencing this love outside of the love of God, the Father, Son, and Spirit is that we have these horribly inadequate models we have this, this love that even if we had the best of circumstances, is still horribly flawed. And for some of us, it taints everything. It, it messes up with everything because some of us, you didn't grow up with love. You didn't grow up with love from your parents. You felt that and you knew that. Some of you, it's that you grew up with this love that was very, very conditional, you grew up with parents who said, I'll love you if, or I'll love you when. And you felt this performance trap that I am only loved when I am living up to this standard, when I am doing these things. And so you knew the moment that you had messed up, that the love would be removed and held, withheld as a type of punishment. And God says he's not that way. Some of us, we grew up with this love where, where there was a misalignment with actions and words. You grew up in this, in this place where, where um, someone said, I love you, uh, but it was really as a way to, to, to get forgiveness for their actions. If you were abused in the past, this is very much probably the cycle that you went through. Someone did something wrong, and then they said they loved you so that, so that you would forgive them or not tell along the way. So they said they loved you, but their actions didn't show that. Some of you were exactly the opposite. You grew up and you knew your parents loved you. They kind of showed you that. They provided for you and stuff, but you never said it. They never said it to you. This is especially true, I think, for dads that are afraid of their emotions, afraid of letting go, and they, they don't tell their children. They're like, well, I show them. They know I love them, but you've got to say it. 
And so the problem is we grow up with these weird, with these weird examples of love. And then when God says he loves us, we go to that example and, and we kind of hold back from that. Listen, love is, is, is uh, if I can do my best to explain it and, and to say like this is some of what it is. Love is emotional. Love is truly a feeling. It's not just a feeling. We'll get to that. But it is a feeling. You know when you are loved. You feel love. My wife and I had this conversation this week about someone that we know in our community. And she gives, she's a wonderful Christian lady, and she gives the world's greatest hugs. And I mean, when she hugs you, you feel loved. Like you feel the love of God. And I told my wife one time, and I'm, I'm like, am I crazy? And she goes, oh no, every time I see her, I'm like, I get a hug. And I was like, me too. And we saw her this week, and we, we were looking at each other. We we're like, we get a hug. Because there was such, like, there's such love in it. And it's not the physical act, because I've thought about it. Well, maybe she hugs differently. Yeah, you know, like, 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 like how does she do it? She steps with her legs. She does, you know, like, how, how does she do it? And it's not the, it's, it's the love of Christ. Like, you can tell hell, there's true love, like it pours from her to you. And, and my wife's like, I, I know, I feel, I, I, it's a feeling, like you know that she loves you, that when she says, I'm glad to see you, she means it, oh, that we would feel that with Christ. Love is verbal. Man, you can show love all day long, but there are times where you need to hear it. And there are these verbal statements. Sometimes it's, it's literally, I love you. But have you ever had your dad look at you and go, man, I'm proud of you. Oh, that's love, isn't it? It feels so good. Man, you hear it and you know, you see that eye lock and you, man, I'm proud of you. Oh, that's love. Love is verbal. Love is also physical. Love is physical as is, is an action word. Some, something happens because of love. The way that we talk, man, sometimes you can shake someone's hand, give them a hug, pat them on the back, and you know that there's just, there's love there. My prayer and Paul's prayer for his church and my prayer for you is that we would experience this love and it would be true and real and powerful in our life, prompting us to serve and to worship him we love because he first loved us, the Bible says. Why do we do all this? The Bible says the reason is so that you will be filled with the fullness of God. Very last part. He says, so that. In other words, the reason I'm praying these things is so that you will be filled with the fullness of God. Man, our church wants to do the very best that we can in our presentation, in our, our music, our sermons, our our you know, hospitality, our children's, our, our guest services. Oh, man, we want to do great in all of those things and so, so many more. But in the end of the day, we want the fullness of God to be what people know about this place and about this people. That they open the door and they're like, whoa, something is different here. Man, the fullness, God's fullness is here. I want you to experience that. He is the God of the universe and he is alive and he is resurrected from the dead and he is on the throne. And the Bible says he ever intercedes for us and he will come again. God, help us to experience the fullness of God that we'll experience in heaven. Help us to experience that now. Those are the prayers of Paul the apostle for the church at Ephesus. 
And today, those are my prayers for you, River Valley. So I want you to get comfortable for a second. Set your notes, set set things aside. And I'm going to pray for you. And here's how I I want to explain that that I'm doing this. I want to give you, as best I can, a glimpse into my my life, my prayer life. I I tend to, you you tend to, when you're, you're praying on stage, pray to God, but so that you would hear and I can lead you along the way. I'm, I'm going to try not to do that today. I'm going to try to just pull back the curtain, and this is how I pray for you in my prayer closet at home. And so just get comfortable for a second. I'm going to pray for you through this text. I will also probably pray for you some things that, that are just on my heart as we go. And so just, just know that, that, man, I love you, and this is the best that I can do to show for that. For this reason, I kneel before the God of heaven and earth. God, I thank you for uh, teaching me to pray. God, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it more. I'm getting better. God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love my time with you. I remember there was a time that I felt like, oh, this is a thing I check off. Now every morning it feels like I don't want to leave. I don't want to do anything else. And God, I'm here today with River Valley. And the Bible says, um, for this reason, I kneel before them. God, I pray that over the coming days, the reason that you have called me to River Valley is to be intentionally multi-ethnic in reaching, helping, and connecting people to Jesus. God, I pray that you would bring the, the, the rainbow of heaven, God, in the, in the faces of people. I pray that you would bring them to River Valley. And God, I thank you for this people. I love them. I really like this town. I love, I just, I love what you're doing at River Valley. I love this people. I love that we laugh. God, thank you so much. And God, I pray today that you would strengthen us with your power. God, I know of of people in our congregation and they're, they're, they're dealing with physical ailments that are, that are hurtful, spiraling. And God, I know that so many of them pray, God, that, that um, you would supernaturally heal them. And I pray that with them. God, I know that some that you have chosen to walk through that pain. And I pray that you would give them their power. That their testimony would be in their, in their hurt and their pain. I did not cease to worship the Lord. And it was a testimony to his goodness. For I know where I will be for all eternity. God, I pray for those who are struggling relationally today. God, that you would bring husbands and wives together so it wouldn't be this this slow, cold war between them, but it would be unity and love and lifetime. Not just get through it for the kids or don't want to get divorced, but God, we love being married. I pray that over our marriages today. I pray it over our children today. God, there are children who, whether they're maybe in the sixth grade or even even up into adulthood, who are flirting with the world. God, and I know some of them, oh, I'm I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, but their lives do not show the fruit of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would, just like the prodigal son, God, that you would show them, I'm living in a pigsty. God, and bring them home. 
bring our, our sons and daughters who do not know you, God. Bring those who are, are starting to flirt with the world, God. Bring them back into the safety and the warmth of your flock. Help us to be the parents who are like the prodigal son's dad, who welcome them home. God, strengthen us with power for the assignments that we have ahead. God, you know um, how I've struggled with this, this building campaign, and I, I, need your, I need your power. God, it's not that it's not obvious what we need next, or, or it's, it's, man, it's, there's so much going on, God, and I, 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 I tend to run out of time, and I sometimes feel like I'm not doing the, the job that you deserve, God. And I sense, I sense that you want to do this great thing. And sometimes I'm afraid to say it because what if it doesn't happen? And that's way more about me, God, than it is about you. God, give us power. Father, let us see and sense and feel your love. God, not in a performance way. I've got to do this thing or that thing. God, not in a, uh, if I deserve it. God, help us to sense the love that is in Jesus Christ who demonstrated his own love for us. And while we were sinners, Christ died for us. God, when you look down and you see the love that you give despite the actions that we often do, God, I thank you for that. May we see and sense every day how magnanimous you are in giving us love that is undeserved and grace. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray for us as we go into this building initiative, God. We're at this weird point where it would be very easy, and I feel it, God. I feel it in my own spirit. I'm, I'm almost 50, God. My energy is not what it was in the first building campaign. And I feel the temptation overwhelmingly sometimes, God, to just slow down and take it easy. But God, I am so burdened by those who do not know Jesus. Our friends and our family and our coworkers and our neighbors are dying without Christ. God, who will stand in the gap for them? God, who will, who will say, I will stand for you, Jesus. I will proclaim your name. God, if we rest on yesterday's successes, then we won't see tomorrow's victories, Jesus. God, help us to stretch and grow to see new and wonderful things ahead. I've seen so many at River Valley. Thank you. I don't want to be done, though, Jesus. And my flesh often says, take it easy. You're doing fine. God, help me to stretch. God, we need what only you can provide in this place. God, I thank you that you answer prayers and you are moving mightily. God, help us to have a supernatural working of your spirit in this place that will never be described by anything other than God's work through the Lord Jesus Christ. As we look to the days to come, God, may we look, God, with expectant hearts for what you're going to do. 
Jesus, thank you for River Valley. God, thank you for the prayers. This isn't the first and it won't be the last. But God, thank you that we could do this together today. I love these people and I'm so, so thankful that I get to be their pastor. I love you, Jesus. I really, really love you. Amen. River Valley, I love you. I love you. I love you. Thank you so much for letting me be your pastor. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.